My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 224 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast, OG members. I've got nothing but love for you. If you are new to this podcast, audio episodes like this got every single Monday and you can stream this on Spotify and everywhere else you find podcasts on. Make sure you join our community to sign up on our website, which is legallycluelessafrica.com. And while you're there, you will see that we have an event coming up. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. I think one of the things that is really making me so happy and proud is that we have not stopped our group therapy sessions. This is the third one. Tickets are flying like madness. We have only 10 tickets left. Okay, so rewind. Our resident therapist, who also happens to be my own therapist, and she's held my hand through all of the things, by the way, we talk about in group therapy, through my healing journey. I honestly feel like there was a point last year in March, I spoke about this on this podcast, where I was really battling dark thoughts. And one of the people that I thank for holding my hand through that is definitely Faith. Faith is the therapist who leads all of our group therapy sessions. And so 1st of July, which is this Saturday, we're going to be having our third edition. And the theme that she's going to be taking us through is losses without funeral. So the losses that we don't ever mourn and they are not directly about death, but they're still a loss nonetheless. Okay, so we're going to be looking at those type of losses that happen in relationships. So both intimate relationships and friendships. Essentially how we lose our essential selves in relationships. My goodness, this oof, this is me or has been me for the past decade or so. I feel like now is when I'm coming up for air and I can say I am existing healthily in all relationships, be it intimate or friendships as well. Yeah, so the work that I did with Faith around this was super important, very painful to go through. I cried so many times during our sessions, but hey, this is definitely some of the most important work I've done when it comes to healing and understanding who I am. Yeah, most important work I've done. So 1st of July, it's at 9.30 a.m. Tickets are 1,500 bob. We don't sell any tickets on the day, so you have to get your tickets in advance. And you can do so now just by clicking the link in the show notes or if you're listening on a platform that doesn't give you show notes, shame on them. You could just go to legallycluelessafrica.com to grab your tickets. Only 10 tickets left. And I really hope I see you there. I'm going to be at this group therapy session. I don't intend on missing any of them. I've met so many friends. I remember the last one. I think I stayed on with three other participants and we were just, man, we were bonding around grief and around childhood trauma. And it was so interesting how we could find pieces of ourselves in each other's stories. So I, I think that's also pretty magical about the group therapy sessions is the friendships that just happen so genuinely afterwards. So yeah, I'm going to be there. I hope to see you there. Grab your tickets ASAP. Okay, let's get on with... I need to stop singing, but I've just had such a good day. I'll tell you about it later. But 
Let's get on with this episode. I'm very happy that you're going to hear part two of Lionel's story. Listen to this. He was the first man who leaned on my shoulder, like rested his head on my shoulder. And then for me, that was big. I was like, men do not do this. Do you understand? I was like, why are you being this fan? Because I remember the days he would put his head on my shoulder and then there would people would be siding him and they're men. Mostly it comes from fellow men. Again, he would not care. And then I was like, if he had this courage to be himself this much, I think I have the courage to be me. Yes. He's the only man who constantly hugs me. We meet, he, gives, he does not care where we are. I would hold his hand, Kubarabara. We can loop our hands when we're walking. I think masculinity is varied. Every man comes with their own version of masculinity. That is Lionel's story that's coming up. If you have not listened to part one, you can find part one of his story in episode 223. It makes sense for you to listen to that first before you listen to this. Just saying. But then again, there are no rules. Song of the week. I have been jamming to this song almost the entire day. It is by Fatumata, who is just an icon and disclosure. So the name of the song is Doha or Mali Mali. And it's just so, man, it's just reminded me how spiritual music is. Her vocals are always very spiritual. And I didn't think on like house, prancy beats that I would also find those to have, uh, what is the word? Like connect with me so deeply. But it did, but it did. And I was writing poetry to the song earlier on today. So yeah, I want you to check it out. I hope it has the same effect on you because it felt so good. I put a link to the song in the show notes. So before we jump into 100 African Stories, I thought I would just share something that might be inspiring to you depending on where you are in your life. So I have always wanted a life where everything was poetry. Everything happening around me was poetry because I love poetry and I, I feel like things should have an art about them and an energy about them even the most mundane of things. And I always wanted that. And at the time, I thought you had to force things or characters or specific things into place for me to have a poetic life. I thought you kind of had to choreograph it. And you had these ingredients, these key things that you had to have to have this life that was art, essentially, that was art. But what I now realize in hindsight, and I really hope you're understanding what I'm saying, a poetic life or a life that's just art. Anyway, what I now understand needed to happen was I needed to be silent enough to hear the poetry outside me and within me. So I needed to slow everything down. I needed to intentionally do my healing work so that I could hear the art outside and within me. So when we think of a life that is poetic or artistic, we try and manufacture this look. Even when you look on social media, we try and manufacture what a deep, quote-unquote, deep life looks like, right? And your house needs to look a certain way, you need to listen to certain music, you need to be at certain places, you need to dress a certain way, etc. And we're putting together all of these ingredients that we think adds up to a life that resembles art. But it's not that. It's really not that. Like, I really understand it now because you don't have to manufacture art. You don't have to manufacture poetry or deepness or things that are alive because they already are, both inside and outside. So you just need to 
slow down and turn the noise off so you can hear the birds. Ah, I find that to be such a blessing to wake up to and actually hear birds chirping. So mundane, but so drenched in art and you don't have to fabricate it. I needed to slow everything down and turn off the noise so I could hear my intuition inside and hear my desires. That's art. And oh my goodness, so there are days now that I feel like I finally figured it out and I'm finally living a life that is poetic and is drenched in art. The more connected to nature I am, the more deeper I get into this healing journey such that I can hear myself. I realize it's possible and it doesn't require you to do all of the things that the world is telling you you need to do. You just need to slow everything down, turn off the noise, heal, and then you'll start hearing the art within and without you. So for example, today I woke up to birds chirping, which I always do. And I think it's such a blessing that I get to hear them, even the one that's been fighting its reflection in my office window for like the past month and a half. <laughs> I stopped getting irritated by him. I'm just like, this is so wonderful that it's happening right in front of me. It means I hear him chirping. He's probably like yelling curse words at <laughs> his reflection, but still, it sounds beautiful. So today, back to today, I woke up to birds. I went to the market and... On my way back home from the market, I passed by my favorite tree, which I think even just having that is like testament to I've slowed everything down so that nothing, nothing passes me by. No matter how many times I pass that tree, I always I'm like, this is my favorite tree. And I stopped just to stare at this tree. And then I came back home. I made myself brunch. Part of that brunch was what I think. Is the best cup of ginger and cinnamon tea to ever grace the earth. <laughs> I might be biased, but you know. And then I lit a fire while I was making brunch. And when my brunch was ready, I went and had it in front of the fire. I watched a cheesy movie. Oh my God, it was so cheesy. It was so, it's called The Perfect Find. It's so cheesy. <laughs> I'm not hating. It's just, I really did enjoy it, actually. I, forwarded a few bits because I was looking for a cheesy movie and it was wonderfully that. Anyway, so I watched a cheesy movie and then I played some music as I wrote poetry in my notebook that I bought in Paris and I bought it specifically to write poetry in. So I got it out and I sat by the fire and I wrote poetry. Such a wonderful day. Like what the hell? That was a wonderful fucking day. And guess what? In between getting work done tomorrow, which is a Monday, I can do that again. I can do it on days when I'm stressed, on days when I'm overjoyed, on days when I'm content, on days when I am deeply in love, on days that I'm angry. I can walk outside and go and look at my favorite tree. I can fix myself a cup of ginger and cinnamon tea. You know what I mean? Like, there are these beautiful things all around us and, and within us. And we think we have to subscribe to this definition that has been created for us when all we need to do is slow everything down, turn the noise off and start healing. And you'll be able to hear and feel it, you know. 
I love this. I love that this is possible, that you can design a life that you love and that loves you back. I think there's just so much love without and within us. And we're just not healed enough to see, hear, or feel it. Anyway, that was inspired by my ginger and cinnamon tea. <laughs> Let's jump into part two of Lionel's story that weaves through self-love, grace, feelings, and masculinity. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. But friends in my class at 15, people got into med school direct. So me and my dad go to apply at Makerere, Sandio. And then a friend tells him, oh, you go apply for a diploma, do it for like two years. And then when you're done with your diploma, uh, your boy can get into medicine. And then my mom still, that woman is just amazing. I don't know how she bounces back, but she was like, you did not get in. Okay, let's see what you can do. But one thing she told my dad was, I do not want my, my son aging reading. Yes. She was like, Apana. She was like, we're not doing that. I don't know how that wisdom was beyond me. I'm like, yo, mom, how did you see that? But my dad was very ready to, for me to get to the diploma two years and then do medicine again another six years. So again, my mom and her workplace friends. So another workplace is like, oh, your son passed. Why didn't he get, oh, I did not want to take him to uni at that moment. Okay, fine. My mom works at this university. Can we see what we can do to, do for you? And then she tries, uh, applies, get into med medicine. That is how I got into med school. I tell people that, but like, huh? That is, I'm like, that is how I got into med school, Cindy. And the weird thing is, you never see yourself in certain spaces. That is why I'm, sometimes I'm, I'm like, just believe. Or if you believe in God, if you believe in the universe, Cindy, I don't believe there are any spaces that are not meant for me. I did not see myself in this particular space, Cindy. Like growing up, I remember when I was in Form 4, a friend asked me, and this was really in relation to cheating. It was like, if someone cheated for you, like, helped you pass exams, and then you got into uni and you got into med school, would you work on it? And then I told this friend, the one thing I know about myself is, when I get one foot in, the rest of the body will get in. Yes, and I believe in that. Like, once I get into a place, I will work hard to maintain that. And that has happened through med school. So I feel like the things you say in early in life that stay with you. So that was Form 4. And then I think in Form 5 and Form 6, constantly being called doctor, I think, you know, the other the arts guys would call us doctors. We'd be like, you would not know how we're struggling, but it is fine, Cindy. So maybe that speaks something in your life. So I believe, it's, it's the thing also of environment. You do not also believe in yourself, or do you do not see yourself as something until you're, you're placed in an environment, Cindy. So if there's something I'm grateful for above everything, because my mom would pay most of my fees in St. Mary's Chitenda. If I'm grateful for anything else, it's not even at because I got to go, go there. It was because she gave me opportunity to see myself as more. You understand? Should have just let me to go go to a university, like every other Sindio. Up to now, I pride myself in having traveled and done all of these things because she had the faith in me. Remember, this is coming from a kid when you're coming to let down. Yes, in form one, so you still have faith enough. Mpakasai, I do not know where she gets that faith from. But yeah, I, she has had that faith constantly in me, and it has changed how I see myself. She told me later, one of her sisters was like. Yo, unapeleka mtoto Uganda, are you okay? Your kid can study here. But she's like, I do not regret it. It gave you knowledge, Cindy. She told me it was going to become like a common, like a second home for you. I am giving you things I never had the opportunity to get. Do you understand? And that, I tell you, that lady is just, I do not have enough words to describe my mom. Even in the second high school I went to, 
when I was acting out in the first one, we were not close. I did not grow up with my mom. Up to, I think, class two. And then she went to college. So past that, she used to work in Kisum County, different stories. But at that point, she realized I needed her. I do not know how they know, but my mom would be late for work to come for my visiting days. And she would stay with me up to five. You understand? She would, we would tell, that is where me and her started having like long convos on the phone. And then I'm there calling. I would be on a phone with my mom on a teacher's phone. I'm calling my mom, me and her just jazzing. Or jazz is the yeah, we used to use the word jazz in UG for stories. So me and my mom are jazzing on the phones. And that has stayed up to date. And your men have the same thing. I'm going to be calling at mom like, yo, girl, how, is, how have things been? Sometimes we do not have things to talk about. We just, is it she talk people? Yeah, I'm just gossip for days. Cindy, even though she deters me from gossip, she's like, there's a grandmother I love. She's like, we want to wish to share home. You're going to be a gossip, Cindy. And then she, the next minute she'll be like, hey, give me tea. You, you, my mom have that very good relationship, Cindy. But she saved me at that point. When you realize, when you're acting out and then one parent grows closer, you realize maybe I'm worth something. Do you understand? And then that grows into now I have to work hard to please this, or yes, it is to please this person. You grow out of that with time, but you're like, I have to work hard because I do not want to disappoint this one particular person. But she really did step in. I remember this year, we had well, like one of those convos. She had like that a fracas in the house with my dad. And then after, we sat her down. This is the first time I'm speaking to my mom. Like, you don't speak to parents a certain way. And then I'm like, mom, you know, sometimes you don't have to react to everything. And then she listens. She's like, but this is why I was angry. And then she explains herself. And then I'm, I'm back to her side. And then that spoke volumes to me. The next morning she came because we thought we were not on the same English. Yeah, so we talk about it. Then we ease, ease things out. In that moment, I realized, I feel safe with you. If I feel like I can call you out on something and you're my parent, do you understand? That is like every kid would want that for the parent. So that lady is, every single morning when I'm home, I prepare tea, take her tea, and then she starts giving me jazz about Oh, this lady from work did this, Cynthia. And sometimes I'm bored, but I keep going back to the fact that maybe this lady needs to speak to her son. That is, I'm giving it more to my dad, Pia. When he calls, we talk. The time would be like, oh, hello, how are you doing? Money. But of late, I'm giving that to people because parents are also people and they need someone to talk. So I think I have been in that space for my mom. Being a firstborn, I think the closest she can have to a friend maybe is going to be me. Uh, I came back to Kenya ready to like what once I did not get into my career so I had to come back to Kenya you remember the friend did connections and then I got into a Kenyan university so got in got into medicine syndrome I was elated like everyone else but I was I think I was a bit afraid like will I be able to do this like there's big talk and there's doing stuff I was a bit afraid and then when you get into med school one prepares you for the hours no one prepares you for the cadavers I'm sorry if someone is you know the first time I walked into the morgue, I hit like Arufumbaya, the bad smell. I hate that. And then when I walked, it was formalin and that. So getting used to that was a bit hard. I had to go for postmortems to get used to this. <laughs> One time I complained to my mom. My mom told my grandmother, my grandmother was like, Oh, you see, I'm You just go and speak, you know? You wanted to be a doctor. That is part of the work. I'm like, Grandma, do you know the work that comes with it? I'm aware you're just complaining because you want to complain. So another thing is, my mom, sometimes she tries to help in the way she can. So she's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Sometimes it's just words and you're like, mom, I need more. But she's going to give you the, the thing of, you know, you're going to be okay. So you just get used to do, do it one more time. Do you understand? Yeah. Like you got this and everything. When we talk over the phone, she's like, she's very supportive. So the one thing I was not prepared for was also not fitting in. And I told you, if I do not fit in, I either go out or go in. 
if I go in, I will lash out. The one I was lashing out in this instant was my roommate. Not like violently, but in words. And I realized at that moment I would drop very cruel things, like small, small one-liners that were very cruel. And we have made a man season. He's called Rona Lawrence. He was my saving recipe. I give people their, their flowers. At that moment, I did not feel seen. I did not feel like I belonged. So for him to ask for my number the first time, you know, men do not do that. Cindy, he was like, we were roommates. He's like, yo, can I have your number so that I ask when you're around? And then I don't show, it, it looks small. But at that moment, it was like, yo, this person wants my number. Cindy, I was like, okay, mine, I can like put down my walls. And I had really big walls. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I can give them time. And then with time, we've grown. And then you let yourself go. But in that moment, I did not fit in. Everyone was name dropping. Everyone was from Mangum Alliance, Bangani Girls, the big, big schools. I came from, the Kenyan school is a middle school in the middle of nowhere. It's Bangapala boys. And then the Ugandan school, I cannot explain because that means also telling people I'm older than them and I want to fit in. So I cannot tell them, yeah, I went to St. Mary's for two years. That is like a long story. And we're not at a point where I can open up to certain people. So we just go with it. I went to a, a small school. We didn't always speak about it. But I did not feel like I fit in. I felt like everyone else was better than me because they had come from these schools and everything. And I started questioning if I was enough for this. At that point, when I called myself to a meeting, one of the words that came out, and I live by this, is if you walk into a room, if God places you into a room, you're good enough for that show. Yes. And I've lived by that. Like, I feel like crying at the moment because I don't know. That is profound for me. But I taught myself that if you are in a room, you're in that room because you're meant to be in that room. You use that. It does not matter. Cindy, whether the list says your name was not here, did you end up in that room? Maybe use that room. I told myself that constant. I did not believe it at the beginning, but with the time I have learned to live it. Do you understand? So when someone comes to me and have this moment with the imposter, I'm just like, you're, you're in a room, that room is yours. It does not matter what everyone else is saying, it does not matter. And I live by that. That room was meant to be mine. And in that, when you're not very sure of yourself, your grades also suffer because you're not working on them as much. Do you understand? There's a link between self-worth and whatever you put out. So at that moment, I wasn't performing as well. But again, grace to my parents, my mom, both my mom and my dad. My dad had the pressure of you going to excel. My mom was just like, find yourself, do your thing. So did that. I remember at the end of year exams for first year were rough. That is the first time you have to like read. So you pull all-nighters or you sleep at two and then you have to awake at five. That whole thing. And then did that. When the results are coming out, I'm freaking. I'm like, am I in second year? And then they come and then you're in second year. And then you tell yourself, God, you wanted me to be here. I, I remember for the longest time, I told myself I wanted to be here because the results were out. And then you have to realize that you have to need more. <laughs> You actually need this more than just that, yeah, oh, I passed and I think, yeah. And that happens. I got into second year. The first sem is usually for Kupigia Mwilipole. Yes, yes, as doctors, yes, we read a lot. But let me tell you, the first sem, for some, not for everyone, the people read all through. But me and my friend group, it was just like, where? Which bash? Where? Hey, pin location. And that is another thing also that came with this new friend group. In being older than these people, I had to learn to come down to this level. For me to thrive, Sindio. Wisdom, yes, be wise and everything, be old, but come down to this level, Sindio. Love people genuinely, make genuine friendships, and I had to come down. Learn from these people, Pia. Yeah, learning is a true thing. I had to learn to learn from this because I also realized that, you know, the hyper-independence episode we did, that was me to the latter. Being a firstborn, I'm so used to carrying everything. Do you understand? 
So if I was struggling with anything, I would not tell my friends. But if my friends were struggling, I'd be like, come to me. Yes, you know, what has happened? Hey, he has left you. That man, he does not know what he's leaving. You should, the usual thing is you, the usual things you tell people. <laughs> it was very easy for me. And then I realized that was selfish. That was one-sided. You know, allowing yourself to carry so much for people. And then you, you're not letting go of parts of yourself. And so I had to learn, like you trust people with a small part. You see how they behave with that. If they mess around, you're like, move. And then, you, you know, you trust people with small, small parts of yourself until you get to a point. That is also a hack I learned from my mom. My mom has this saying, it's in Luo. She says, Jamriambo imio gimiolgo. You tell a liar what you're, you're tired of. You know, you don't have to give them everything. So you, give, you give small, small parts of yourself. Like I learned that. I, it's selfish, but I'm hyper-independent. Like I have to learn these things slowly. I cannot just rip off the bandaid once and be like, oh, I'm opening myself to the world. So yeah, with with the type, I learned I can trust these people and my stuff. And with the time, I tell them stuff, it does not get around. There are friend groups who tell stuff and gets back to us. And then it's tea. And then we're like, we kiki, we're like, we do not ever want our lives to be like this. You know, we're like tech notes, tech notes, you know. But I'm grateful for that team. They taught me how to be a person in this space. Do you understand? I'm so used to being the one giving. Sendio, for someone else to be like, yo, sit down. We are doing this for you. It shows even the small things like... Me and my good friends go to, for cookouts, like, not cookouts evil, but we cook at a friend's place. Being the firstborn, I'm the one who cooks in my house. Usually when I get to that house, that lady's like, whew, I can finally get it. Kwa hii na yes, I'm Billy because my son is home, you know. And she says, she popularizes it to my grandmother, she's like, you know, when my son is home, I'd say, araka, like, you know, these small, small things. But, <laughs> so when we used to go to cook at a friend's place, I would be the one doing everything. I would cook and everything. And then I realized still the independence things, like, with hyper-independence, you do not trust other people to do things you can do. Cindy, I will not let go. Yes, I will not. Ati, ati chapuzako ni better. May know how to do them. If I know how to do things, I will do it. Cindy, <laughs> I do not know if, I do not care if mine are square or quads or whatever. I will do them. I know how to cook chapos. I am going to cook chapos. Do you understand? If there's a skill I'm good at, I will not let it go. So with the time, I have learned to relegate roles. I cannot deal with this alone. And then even in delegating, I would delegate and be like, where can I easy? Or you constantly looking over someone's shoulder like, ah, where I'm getting nyanya, and then someone will be like, where I leave this thing for you. And then I've learned also to just let people, you know, whether it's bad, it's not the best. That is, they're doing their best. It's okay. I also need to take care of myself. I need to rest sometimes. Cindy, in times where it calls for me to be the bigger person in the room, I try. Nowadays, I trust these people. I can take that advice and go with it. Do you understand? At a point, I would be the type where I would give everyone advice. Some advice, I'm, you know? sound advice and then they would give me advice and I would not take it that went on until I said okay fine I can trust and then I started taking that advice and then the problem comes in whereby I feel like if you've given, given me advice I have to check it because I asked for it so I will even if it's misleading sometimes I'm like it doesn't make sense but I'm like you know Marion gave me this advice I have to check it regardless and then I have to pull back again from that I'm like but I get to make the final decision so yeah they've helped me grow all through second year, I think, was growth. I needed to learn what to let go of. I needed to learn that in this space, I was not the firstborn. In this space, I was just another student who is going through life. Like, these boys are going, these girls are going through. Let me warn you guys early. My grades are not like, oh, 70. At the end of the day, they're going to announce me among the 70. But it is somewhere. I do the best I can. That is one thing I do. Like, I do sometimes not the best, and I forgive myself for it. But I do what I can do with what I have. And I think last year, I nearly lost myself. I was in a relationship. It was one-sided. Like, I was the one who, like, this person and this person 
did not feel it as much as I did. Like to them, it was just something they did on the side. And then I built a lot for me around this person and how much they accepted me when they were not ready to give as much. Because me, I'm aware. The one thing I do know is when you're not giving, I tell myself, if I ever feel like a, it's a friction, I'm walking out, but I never walk out. I usually say, well, I, Nick, you feel friction heavy. I am out. I will not suffer. I can't come and die. But every single time I'm... <laughs> Really different. I I, I I come and die for, for love. Anyway, sometimes I'm, I'm very foolish as human beings sometimes. But it's part of the human experience. So I nearly lost myself in this particular one. And then it was coming from a place where I wanted to judge myself because I'm like, yo, you know better. Cindy, this person should not be doing this to you because you know better. And then in that moment, I also had to let myself feel because I realized like the way I've handled things in the past was running away from them. Love to me is like, I don't know if I told myself I'm not deserving or something of that sort. So it was like, I had to reinforce that, that I am not deserving by not accepting people. Cindy, you would get people who want to date you. are like, not there yet, Cindy. So this one time I was just like fulfilling my things to the maximum. This other fool was not fulfilling things. <laughs> and I say to this day, I do not call my exes good names. And me and this person are in very good terms, but they're still a fool. And then it couldn't have come at a worse time. I was doing my NDA exams. A friend had just lost a father. So it was just like one thing after another. And in all of this, I would just have to hold it together because I have to hold it together for this other friend. And then I have to do my exam. And then Marion said, these young people in their Gen Z, because I'm not Gen Z, I'm a millennial. But Gen Z and this, the things they learn, beautiful Cindy, because she saw things from the point of, she was like, you don't have to carry everything for anyone. Sometimes in this moment, what do you feel like doing? Break down. And I would cry. I remember one time we were going to, and I did not feel like going. I was just like, the vibe is off. She's like, what do you really feel? I'm like, I don't know, but the vibe is off. And then she tells me, mm, just go. Just enjoy. Sometimes you don't have to feel everything. It's, it does not make sense. By that moment, it was what I needed. I went for that party and I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I was like, you know, if I would not have gone, Cynthia. And there's another thing. I, I do not drink. I usually say I do not drink until I get like one shot. I, I do not drink, but of late... I've been influenced, but I, consciously, of course, I know what I'm doing. But I take like a glass or two because I realized my friends did not feel safe around me with their drinking because they felt like I was judging them. And in essence, I was. Initially, when I go to campus, it was like, why would you drink? You know, it was from the point of, I know better than you people. And then you exist in this person and you realize a drunk person is just another person's son, is a friend of yours, Cindy, and everything. You learn to treat everyone with grace. So when I say grace, it's like nowadays when they ask me, I do not overdo it. I know my limits very well. But I'm like a glass or two would not. If it's going to make you feel safe, of course the outcome is not to make people feel safe. But what am I going to lose? If tomorrow I have no classes, I do it. On days I do not want, I do not. And I thank them also for, sometimes they do not call me for these things because they just know, yo, he's not going to turn up the way. He's just going to be staring at us badly from the corner. So <laughs> I'll just be dying people at the corner. So they're just like, mm-mm. This time we're not inviting him. It is okay. And I thank them for that. Like, I thank them for being aware up here on days when I need to go out and days I do not want to go out. But yeah, I, I have learned to extend grace to people yeah. on the journey. I don't think I finished on the journey of love. So at that point when I lost myself, I remember like last year after, after my exams, this was a turnaround. Like with this person who love was not working out with, it was not one person. There was another person. So this person we were supposed to meet on the day I was coming from school. And then they flake at the last minute. And then I was like, this is it. I deleted my WhatsApp at that point, went off Twitter, went off everything for like two months. I told my mom, I'm not going to be using this number. This is the number you have. She had questions. It's just like, well, what is, what is up? And I'm like, mom, I do not feel like using social media. She, you know, she gives you that side eye of, 
are you mentally but she doesn't want to ask she's like are you going okay mentally Cindy she does not want to ask but she's like okay fine just give me the number and she would use it and everything but at that moment, I had to go off because I also realized I was being there for everyone and people needed like I needed to learn not them I needed to learn that people still get through the stuff with or without me being present yes people are going to go regardless if if you're going to get through a heartbreak you're going to whether Lionel is there or not you're going to get through your heartbreak and so I needed to learn that it was not up to them it was up to me so I took that break, just read, did things, just existed, Cindy, for like two months. And then I came back on the last month because of mom still. She's like, I can't send you things on WhatsApp. Nani he talk to me. I'm like, mom, use the other one. I'm like, Nihi I'm like, fine. So I got back on WhatsApp. I realized life had moved on without me. It hits you. When you come back, you're like, hey, things have been happening whether I'm here or not. And I feel like it has affected how I also, because I don't post much on my WhatsApp, like the status, unless something very special happened to me. All right, I'm posting a, a I'm posting a quote by Adele or something on that side, you know, like it's all something that touches me. It's a small thing. So at that point, I had to go off to take care of myself. Then when I came back, it it does not, you do not finish taking care of yourself at that point. Yeah, you realize now I have to incorporate it in the small ways. That is where self love comes in. In twenty was it twenty twenty one twenty twenty two? I felt a bit heavy. Because everyone would comment on how much I had gained weight. Not every, my friends would not. They're graceful. But when I went home, my grandmother said, Hey, do you, you, you know Senya is a bum? So she's like, I'm like grandma. And she's very playful. You know, that is who she is. I was not insecure about that. I laughed because of how. But I was also aware that I had gained weight in certain areas. I did not like how I looked. And then your first impulse is like, you maybe I should work out and go to the gym we don't have a gym i was home at that point so there's no gym Cindy also tried the roller the abs were not coming so i'm like babes we're not doing this at Fragitessa, we're not doing this so i tried the thing of intermittent like it's at home it's easy because usually have like one meal we were all boys like nobody's going to cook so when it's breakfast you'll have it at 11 the next meal it has six so at that point the weight goes by itself because i developed the weight when i was at school so the weight goes by itself and then the other thing that gave me i think Right and joy was everyone has commented how I'm well built. They're like, so someone could not gym. So I've carried that with me. They're like, you well built, Cindy. If you went to the gym, it would make things better. But I had to find love for myself. I remember that period when, when I was home. I think it was Corona. That is also where I started. The features of myself I would not look at in the mirror. If I was looking, you know, looking and looking. Do you understand? Nearly looking here. Is my hair okay? And then gone. It took me a while to really see the person in front of me. Like to sit down or to stand and look at the person who was looking at me back and love that person so i made a conscious decision of every single time i would pass a mirror i would compliment something about myself i'd be like yo eyes the the eyebrows are giving it would be small small things that have helped build my confidence but i had to love vigorously the other thing I, i i learned and this hit me imagine in a cafe i was sitting at a cafe and this cafe had a mirror and then i look in and then i'm like i was telling myself how if I looked a certain way, there's more acceptance for the more light-skinned guys. I was telling myself, if I was a bit cuter than this, life would be a bit easier. And then I looked at the man, and then I was like, babes, do you know, this is all you're ever going to be in life. So you're going to have to love it. And not just love it, radically. Like you're going to, nobody will ever question if you love yourself. Someone else cannot love you. That is a problem. But for you, babes, you're not going to have to be looking for love. So I learned in that instant, it hit me. I am not going to have another face. The body might change, but this face is going to always be. If I do not love it, the next person gets to nitpick the features. Yeah, you're like, yo, I do not like your nose. And then I have to be insecure about that. I was like, I'm not giving anyone that power ever again. You do not like it. It's okay. Over here, we do love. Yes, it's all love. It hit me at that point. I think I've carried that. Sometimes you, f- you, you fault. Yeah, at instances, someone is going to mention something. 
and then you're like, ah, this knows or yeah, but uh, that instant it showed me that I need to love with my body. Men and do not speak about loving the body. You see how much backlash for exploit gets on Twitter for those videos, you know. And for a while, I did not see the need to do anything because people have told me you're masculine enough. But the other thing was, it was also hindering me from doing the things because I would have loved to go to the gym. But since people are like, you already have this. If I went to the gym, it means uh, you, you, you took our advice. Or if you went to the gym, it was like, now you want to really work on it. So I would have to attribute my masculinity to the gym. And I want people to say, natural, it comes naturally. So I used to walk in that house in boxes. Yes, I have had to teach myself body positivity. I would have to walk in that house in boxes and be like, this is everything. Yeah, I, I look at my body, I'm like, yo, this is, you know, I love my body. I adore. I remember I had a bit of it. It's not a big tabby, but it's a small one. But at that point, when everyone else would point it out, initially when they started, it was like, oh, it's Sunday. And then I got some of them like, babes, I even do this with, yes, I love my body. Do you understand? I look at my bum, I'm like, you know, yes, I love my body. I have grown so comfortable in it. That is another thing you learn. Like, nobody else is going to love this thing if I do not love it. So when I entered uni, I had a particular friend group. I hope they're never going to listen to this. But I had a particular friend group. But you realized very early on, these spaces are not for me. Because they require a reduced version of you. It's hinted. It's like, this is too much. Because I'm the kind of guy who, if the ladies want to work, or if the boys decide they want to shake up a bit, I'll be there with them. Do you understand? I'll be doing things just because I feel like it. But if I'm going to be doing a thing and then I'm side-eyed, I learned very early on that this is not a safe space. And, you know, the space where I'm in, I'm in at the moment is one of the best. I have a friend, I don't know if he feels comfortable being mentioned, Cindy, but he'll know who he is. He was the first man who leaned on my shoulder, like rested his head on my shoulder. And then for me, that was big. I was like, men do not do this. Do you understand? I was like, why are you being this vulnerable, Cindy? And it allowed me, everyone, because I remember the days he would put his head on my shoulder and then there would people would be siding him and they are men. Mostly it comes from fellow men again. He would not care. And then I was like, if he had this courage to be himself this much, I think I have the courage to be me. Yes. This boy is so self-aware, like, or other things, Kidogo. He's the only man who constantly hugs me. We meet, he does not care where we are. Do you understand? I would hold his hand, Kubarabara. Sendio, not hivi, but I can loop, we can loop our hands when we're walking, Sendio. And that is how comfortable he has made me feel. And that, like, there's a ripple effect. With the next one, you remember my first roommate, Rono. Rono is that kind of man to Sendio. He's like manly, manly, but he holds spaces for men to be themselves. I do not ever feel like I need to be reduced when I'm around him. I will say the most outrageous things, do the most outrageous things. I know I am safe here. Yeah. So right now, in in looking for spaces, I lean onto spaces where I feel seen or where I feel like I don't have to reduce myself to be anything. Cynthia, we can have issues on, oh, you said too much, that is okay. But like issues with me being who I am authentically and presenting that in a place, I have to be that or I'm nothing. Yeah. Or I'm not, I will not exist in this space. Yes. I think masculinity is varied. Every man comes with their own version of masculinity. We are all schooled from different homes. We are all brought up differently. Cynthia, not even with schooling. It is like how I am, how I present from the word goes should be enough for you. The constant need for us to needle men into shape. Do you understand? Or be more masculine. And I don't, I don't know where you are. Maybe your dad felt the need to back orders as, at you. But when you come to these spaces like that, like requires to be at the same level, please let men be whatever they want to be. 
Do you understand? I, I, and I beg and I tell people, please let me, let them cry, let them feel pity. Sometimes I give caveats. I'm like, if you're a man and you feel like crying and you don't feel safe in a place, do not cry there. But I want the Africans, whatever, to let men be who they want to be authentically. And the other thing is, of late, I adore, you know, Akira Iskawiri. Yes. You know how you're able to be this masculine and have this other side. That is so commendable. The fact that you're so comfortable that it is not threatened by you wearing makeup. Cindy, of late, I, I lean and I'm like, these people are very, very strong. And I see it in how it plays out. Cindy, some of these men lash out because of how much, yes, you push them to be. Do you understand? Men also need good things. Do you understand? Stop telling men at oh, could you treat Kufanya Nini? That is all feminine. The, the whole idea of this is Nini, who, why, who, who let you write the rules? Yes. Who told you we need you to write the rules? Do you understand? In all of this podcast, telling people who, what men should be and what roles women should play. Cindy, who, who, who made you the sounding board? Yeah, it does not have to. And why are we listening to these outside noises? You know, like it's noise. When authentically you're called to be something else. Deep down, you know. And I'm telling you, the most joy I've felt in the, first, in the past like five, four years is because I've moved by me. Like, since S6, and since S6 and just leaning on to who I was, the most authentic, the most happiness I've felt is because I've never felt the need to be reduced. And even in this particular friend group, I have not felt the need to be reduced to anything else. They might not term it as masculinity. They might be like, this is a bit off, but that is you. We will take it. So at the end of the day, we should not have spaces where we're telling men, be this, be that. The roles that are played, people do change. In my house, we do not have chicks. We do not have girls. The men have to step up and cook. We are not going to expect my mom being old at Upikie. We did not grow up in that kind of household. So we're going to have to step up. So if you tell men they're supposed to cook, what about men like us? Yeah, we've been brought up. So if I ever marry someone, they should be doing everything. Because, and I know how to do these things. Do you understand? If you can learn a skill as a man, if you can learn a skill, if you can do something comfortable, do not feel the need to shrink yourself because the universe, or not even the universe, the universe is a very beautiful being. Jeez. Because someone else outside thinks this is how men should act. There's no one way to do things. Yes. Uh, words or mantras I live by is, what is meant for you will find you. I have seen it play out in my life. Whenever I feel like this is it, something else. And sometimes you know, you're like, do I really need this? And then it comes out, you're like, yo, this is why this is happening to me. That is how life works. Everything I, have, I had viewed as a disadvantage in the past, losing this first school and everything, right now where I am is such a blessing. I look back, I do not have any regrets. Okay, I, I regret sometimes, but like I do not have any regrets of how my life has played. Everything was bringing me to this point. And I believe there is more that is coming. So everything that is meant for you will find you, my dear. Not too early, not too late. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Oh my goodness. I really love how he casually just dropped such gems of wisdom. You know, like when he was talking about that scene when he was in the cafe looking at the mirror, absolutely powerful, powerful moment that he just drops casually. And I'm like, wow, that that is something. And even just on that scene, I also think that the strength in beauty is in diversity. So you as you are adds volumes to beauty's definition. And everyone, every institution or industry that tries to define beauty as one thing are basically trying to sell you ignorance so do not buy into that for example my teeth they are healthy crooked teeth that set the scene for one of the most beautiful smiles ever seen 
and I get to see the smile whenever I want. How fucking lucky am I? But if I bought into the ignorance that we're sold, I would constantly think that there's something wrong with me. Mm -mm. I'm just adding my contribution, my flair to the diverse definition that is beauty. And I think you as you are can add your flair as well. I also loved when he talks about feelings and the importance to feel everything. A couple of weeks ago, I told my partner how honored I am to feel what I feel for him. Not in a put him on a pedestal type of shit. Uh-uh. But I was I saying it and I hope he got it because he might listen to this and be like, what? <laughs> That's not what I took from it. No, but I was saying it in that I am alive enough to feel and to feel love. We go through so many things in our lives, so many traumas that numbing can become so normal. And then we cease to feel. You get what I mean? But I think it is a sign you're alive. I think it's courageous. I think it's beautiful to feel and to feel every emotion. I think it's an honor to be alive enough to feel. So I don't look back on anyone I've ever felt love for with any disdain. I feel like they were, in the spirit, a medium to give me this absolute honor that is feeling. You know, it's like saying, I'm alive and somebody asks, how do you know this? And I say, well, I feel. I feel deeply. And how marvelous is that? You know what I mean? I hope you understand what I'm saying. I feel like today I'm just on this high. <laughs> On life, I hope it doesn't, it, I hope you understand me. I hope you understand me. The last thing that I really loved from this part of his story is when he talks about extending grace to others, even when he speaks about his parents just being humans, you know, and I think you can hold people accountable gracefully and you can uphold your boundaries while extending grace to others. And it also in these complex relationships that traumatize us or negatively affect us. Extending grace to others allows you to understand it well enough to heal. And you can do all this while still having a healthy boundary up. I truly think so. I think also that sometimes grace means not attending every fight people invite you to. So you gracefully understand that their aggression has nothing to do with you and perhaps your fire and your might should be reserved for fights that are truly about you. Once you extend grace to others, you get to see them as humans navigating their own shit. And you then get to see where their shit starts and ends and where yours starts and ends. And that's such a useful tool when you're trying to navigate healing. At least for me, I've found it to be. So I have put a link to Lionel's Instagram. If you want to connect with him, he is open to that. I asked. You can feel free to do that. Do remember though that we have our third group therapy session coming up on the 1st of July. I hope to see you there. It's always great meeting members of this family we have going on here. So it's on the 1st of July at 9.30 a.m. Faith, who also happens to be my therapist, 
She is an accredited counseling psychologist, and she's going to be taking us through how we lose ourselves in relationships, Ooh, which is something Lionel talked about, actually. You know, in different relationships, be it intimate ones or friendships, I think this is a very powerful session we're going to have. So grab your tickets now. There are only 10 tickets left as of when I'm recording this. All you have to do is go to LegallyCluelessAfrica.com to grab your tickets, or you can click the link in the show notes. No tickets are sold on the day. You have to grab your tickets in advance. And in case you can't make it, feel free to share this with anybody you think would be interested in coming for our group therapy session. Yeah, go ahead, do it. <laughs> I also want to let you know that if you're in Kenya, you can catch us on Trace FM, where they are on Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m., Fridays at 1 p.m., and you can stream just by going to traceradio.co.ke. I am going to leave you with what I think is one of the most powerful things from Lionel's story, which is urging you to try and do what he did. Look in the mirror and find things that make you you and then fall in love with those things try it i know it sounds like oh my god adele i'm gonna look cheesy standing front of the mirror and no you won't no you won't just give it a try have an open mind and i say this because i know this mirror exercise we use it in my initiative we have a program that's a free group therapy program for survivors of sexual violence and in our curriculum we actually have a mirror exercise, which is why I thought this was so amazing that Lionel shared this. It's a mirror exercise and it really does wonders when you talk to yourself in the mirror, when you look at yourself and intentionally want to fall in love with yourself. Most of the times when we look in the mirror, we're trying to look for uh, defects or things that we think are wrong or how do we hide A, B, C, D. Mm -mm. This time around, what I want you to do is look in the mirror and find things that make you you and fall in love with those things. Do it once after listening to this. Day after, try it again. Day after that, try it again. And keep going until the next episode. I'd really love to know how it makes you feel to do this whole mirror thingy about Bob. So feel free to let me know on instagram we're at legally clueless africa but yeah please try it please try it and remember to just extend grace not only to others but also to you that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode